Hey everyone, welcome to the Self Agency Advocate Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda, and this is a space where we explore, discover, and share tools, techniques, and wisdom to help you build and maintain a sense of agency. Awesome. So welcome everyone to the Self Agency Advocate Podcast. So, so good to have you here, and I am over the moon excited for this next guest because there's just so much magic and just truth to everything that you offer. And I'm really, really excited to see how this conversation unfolds. So I've got Dion Freeman with me today. And so much of what I want to get into is really about what it looks like to have that cultural side of things because one of the traditions that you that I most resonate with that you offer is the Maori techniques and the healing modalities that you work with like the honohono and the cultural medicine that you bring forward and I remember the first time that I came across some of your advertising it was on Facebook and for whatever reason I was just so called to it. It wasn't something that I would typically notice. And just seeing it, I was like, yep, I need a session with this guy. Like it has to happen no matter what. And I just remember booking on and being like, I have no idea what to expect. So here we go. And then when I met you, I was like, oh yeah, that's why I had to do this because you're just such, you're so, so special. And the gift that you have is just so profound and so incredibly potent and I think I became like your biggest ambassador after that point I was like screaming your name from the rooftops because I was like everyone needs to experience what this is and it's just been pure magic to have you not only as a teacher and a mentor but as a friend as well it's been a really really beautiful connection so thank you so much for being here today Kilda, thank you very much um and yeah it was uh it was uh, very interesting from my point of view, um, coming into Queenstown, sort of uh, not knowing the lay of the land, and we were my first uh, client, <laughs> and um, and pretty much uh, booked out from your recommendation um, for the whole week to the point where I had to come back and <laughs> end up living here. <laughs> so thank you. Um, yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it was just one of those things that it really, there's something so true and real with what you offer. And I think it would be really powerful to explain a little bit more of maybe the modality that you work with and how you practice so that people have a little bit of context of what I'm speaking to, because I won't be able to do it justice. I can just speak to the other side of it. But if you could explain a little bit more about your offering and your technique. Yeah, okay. Um, kia ora koutou whanau. Um, uh, ko Dion tuku ingoa. Uh, so my name's Dion and uh, the, the, the art that I practice um, mainly is called honohono. And so honohono, it, it literally means to join. Um, and, and with Māori, sometimes when things are so good, uh, we say them twice, especially with the healing modalities. So um, hono means to join, and hono hono, uh, the way it was explained to me by, by my uh, whānau um, or family, was um, that we were joining or reconnecting um, to source. Uh, so um, not only our mind, our body, and our spirit, um, but also um, us as a being, we were connecting with our um, creator as well as our earth. And so um, in order to, to join a person to that, we need to clear out the clutter. And so, um, mm-hmm. yeah, this, uh, this art was actually shown to me from my ancestors um, since I was a little kid. Uh, so I didn't really have a physical teacher um, per se. Um, I just had to listen really and and um, that's how it sort of came about my, my first words as a, as a child were taringas and whakarongo um, which are quite long words and um, mm-hmm. my mother my mother who's not Māori um, was a little bit sort of quizzed on on how that came about um, and thought I was sort of just jabbering 
um, or you know, uh, making sounds. Um, but mm. I was I was being told by a, a female ancestor um, to use my ears and to listen. And um, yeah, so Honohono uh, comes from the teachings of my ancestors, and um, I have a, a predominant ancestor who was uh, quite famous in the 1930s. Um, for doing uh, practicing honohono, and back then it was quite taboo um, uh, on on two different levels. Um, so in New Zealand in 1907, um, the practice of of Māori healing was actually um, banned uh, in New Zealand, and it was um, yeah it was called the Tohunga Suppression Act, and so anyone practicing what I do now um, would be arrested. Um, and I think back then the term of um, imprisonment was up to 18 months. Wow. And so uh, he was, and basically because it was going against Christianity um, and uh, Māori have their own gods and that they prayed to. And um, mm. and then he was also, so his name was Riwai Pakaro, and he was also kind of going against uh, Māoridom in the sense that um, uh he wasn't communicating with the, the demigods, so to speak. He was going straight to the boss. And mm. so um, uh, the, the English term back then that was what he was known for was faith healing. Um, and so he, he felt he had a direct connection with above. And um, so he was actually blinded by his uh, cousin. And um, this led him to just being a full-time uh, carver. So he was a master carver. He carved about 11 marae up along the east coast of wow. uh, the North Island. And through his blindness, and well, partially blind, partial blindness, um, and working with the wood and nature and the patterns that were coming out of him, which um, also for the time period, if you have a look at any of his marae um, that he built, uh, which are like meeting houses, um, mm. yeah, some of them are quite, uh, yeah, he, he was sort of, at the time, was frowned upon because he wasn't using traditional methods or patterns um, just in his carving, and, uh, but he was, he was carving channeled patterns, and, and through this carving, he um, established that he could heal, um, and so his uh, moko, or his, his grandchildren, um, were taken around in horse and cart and around the North Island, and he would um, practice honohono on anybody who, who needed help. Um, mm. And so I found all of this out after sort of five years hitchhiking the country with a massage table, um, practicing <laughs> this, and, and uh, I felt a calling to go to uh, where my, my father's side of the family are from. Um, I wanted to touch our marae and see if there was a connection there for myself, and and it was actually from uh, that trip that I found out what I was practicing was called honohono um, from one of my relatives. Mm. And um, yeah, and then from actually from touching the marae um, that uh, my whanau are from or my family are from um, was when it sort of kicked up a notch for me from just being this traveling healer to, okay, I feel like I've, I've come and touched a you know a touchstone or, or or a really really important part of of my journey um and yeah that sort of led me to um want to want to take this to the mainstream rather than it just be something that um you know it sort of floats about and help whoever's in my in, in my presence rather uh, what i felt the calling to do then was actually to sort of um set a foundation and offer mm. this uh, to the world. Wow. I didn't even know all these things. That's so <laughs> beautiful. That's amazing. That's really, really cool. So what did it look like for you to bring it mainstream? Because quite often that can be something, especially going from just how deeply it was suppressed and oppressed, what it looks like to now kind of come out of those shadows and bring something that people would consider like esoteric or alternative or woo-woo, which some yeah. might say. Yep. How did you actually kind of keep that sense of integrity and truth 
bringing this back into the kind of light and into the mainstream? What did that look like? Um, so as, as I said, I sort of hitchhiked the country with a massage table for five years. Um, so from the top of the mm. North Island down to the very bottom of the South. Uh, and I, I was, uh, I sort of call it God mode. Um, I was letting mm. above direct uh, where I went, who I was going to work on. Um, you know, I, I, I left a lifestyle of... Um, a night lifestyle. So I, was, I owned a couple of nightclubs at the time, and mm. um, the calling from from my ancestors was uh, too loud to ignore by then. And so I, I left the business world, really, really not not liking the business world and the structures of money and and that mm-hmm. sort of uh, jazz. And so um, yeah, I gave away all my worldly possessions, uh, which took uh, just over four months. And um, oh, yeah, okay. hitchhiked with this massage table, and um, to be honest, it was um, it, it was uh, like led by a higher power uh, because mm-hmm. um, you know I, I would have people just walk up to me randomly uh, and tell me about mm-hmm. their problems, and and then I would offer um, my service for for koha or uh, a donation of whatever they had or could afford or wanted to part with or, you know, felt it would assist my journey. Um, and a, a lot of times it was sort of um, accommodation, food, and moved me on to the next lot of people who, right. who needed um, work. All right. So um, had a little glitch in the matrix there, um, but all good. So, uh, yeah, from... From working for for Koha, um, I made it down to South Island, um, and I'm not sure how much the last one uh, picked up, but I was I was actually guided uh, to go down to South Island um, from a psychic artist who I'd done a treatment on, and she told me that when the earth shook, it was time to be in the South Island, and that that would be my home. Um, and at that time, I didn't know anyone. Um, and then, yeah, so a year later, of uh, after doing all these healings in the North Island, um, yeah, I uh, got a call on the day of the Christchurch earthquake, and uh, it was the same artist, and uh, she asked me if I was on the South Island yet, and I said no, and she was like, well, how much more does the earth need to shake before you listen? So... <laughs> Yeah, pretty much booked my flights, and four days later, I was in South Island, um, started in Christchurch, uh, got led to Golden Bay, Takaka, um, stayed there for quite a while, and um, yeah, then I had a friend sort of call me down to Dunedin, and that's where it sort of all kicked off as far as bringing this to mainstream. Um, mm. By the time by the time I got to Dunedin, um, word of mouth had sort of gone before me, and uh, so I had a, a whole bunch of clients sort of waiting for me there. Um, and then did a little stint on Stewart Island, and uh, yeah, in uh, two months living in a cave, living off the land, and uh, trying to f- I guess find myself and ask for guidance for my next steps. And it was mm. bas- basically to set up shop. Um, if I had a place to work from, then people could come to me. Um, so, uh, yeah, went back to Dunedin and had a friend who I'd worked on who was a massage therapist. And she told me that her whole client base needed to see me and that if I wanted a, <laughs> a room, um, she would accommodate me. And so, yeah, I, I worked for her for about three months and then it um, yeah, it sort of became, well, she, she told me that I was earning too much for her tax brackets. So I had to start up my own business. <laughs> and um, yeah. yeah, so it all sort of kicked off from there. Um, so I had, uh, yeah, I, I meditated for a long time and, and um, on, a, on a company name, uh, I really, really didn't want to go back into business. Um, but mm. the, the amount of people coming to see me and, and not having to hitchhike everywhere and sort of worry about um, what I was going to eat or where I was going to be staying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it was it sort of uh, shaped itself quite beautifully, and uh, that led to teaching uh, workshops. Right. 
Yeah. So have you been met with, like, what does it look like to be met with any kind of resistance along the way? Because it all sounds like it really landed powerfully and beautifully and was really divinely guided. I'm curious to know what it was like on the flip side of that as well. Like the times where maybe you did meet resistance or people maybe not understanding what was it like in the kind of face of challenge or adversity when you were trying to take this to the mainstream or were you met with any? Um, I, I'm going to be honest with you. The, the challenge was actually myself. Mm. Um, it, as, as I said, I didn't want a business. Um, and, and in right. fact, uh, that was the last thing I wanted, especially at that time. I just, I, I, I just, I sort of enjoyed the floating around, um, meeting new people um, and, and, and through Honohono sort of learning their stories and, and, and learning um, how, how we're all so similar in our feelings, no matter um, age, race, uh, mm-hmm. you know, wealth, um, that, that we are all human and, and uh, we, we carry these emotional um, blockages in our body regardless of whether we've had it pretty cruisy or whether we've had it really rough. Um, so I yeah. guess, yeah, the resistance as far as mainstream, um, yeah, I didn't really come come across it. I mean, there were definitely people who uh, didn't understand. Uh, there were, mm. I, I definitely had a few people who sort of um, tried to call bullshit, uh, which, yeah, um, yeah to, to that my answer has always been the proofs in the pudding, get on the table. And uh, right. so, so any resistance uh, was, you know, um, yeah, wasn't there for too long if they if they accepted that challenge to get on the table. Um, I, mm. I, I didn't have all the answers as far as how it was working scientifically. Um, and all I was really worried about was that I was getting results um, for, for the people that I was working with. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I think there's a lot of potency in being able to just kind of practice what you teach and lead by example and not have to necessarily always back it up but let it kind of speak for itself so that's it's really cool to hear that it wasn't met with as much maybe resistance or uncertainty as maybe I've seen elsewhere so I'm wondering if maybe there's a difference culturally, because when I think yeah. of all of this back home being in Canada, there was a lot more like, I guess, not necessarily just resistance, but people just being like, ah, oh, no, like, don't believe in it. It's hippie bullshit. Like, don't even yeah. not going there. Whereas yeah. here, I do find it a little bit more open and a little bit more accepted do you think it's because of the close ties to the maori culture or what's been your experience with that um i think to start off with uh like um south island definitely um yeah bugger or resistance as you would call it the, mm-hmm. the north island when i first started um because i gave away all my worldly possessions there was resistance at the start, but it was more along the lines of, um, well, you were this nightclub owner with flash things, and then you gave away everything, and now you're saying you can heal me. Um, yeah, I, I was a bit of a laughing stock for for a few months there, and again, my thing was, well, the proof's in the pudding. Um, yeah. So, so either point the finger from a distance, and I don't really care anyway, or get on the table and. Um, yeah, it's the easiest way for me to explain what I do is to um, help you to release these blockages and explain what the feelings are. And, and mm-hmm. there, there comes a, a, I mean, the body parts represent different parts, but as, a, as the healer, I also get to feel what they're releasing. And, and when that message is relayed back to the person, it's sort of, um, I think very early on, there was there was definitely some males that I worked on that were, um, pretty buzzed out because the things that were coming out that were blockages were actually things that only them and, and God know, so to speak. Yeah. 
and yeah, I mean there was uh, there was a bit of resistance around um, where this was coming from, like uh, as far as me being in, in tune with the Creator. Well, as soon as I mentioned the God word, there was definitely resistance there. Um, yeah. As as far as what you're speaking on, uh, as far as culturally, um, well, because uh, because of the Tohunga Suppression Act, I, I did find a, a fair bit of resistance with Māori actually, and it was along the lines of, "Who are you to be doing this work?" Um, that was something that our elders used to do, and it's been lost. So, who are you? And, oh wow! Uh, yeah, so. Uh, at the start, the resistance was sort of around that, um, and uh, yeah, and and then by the time I'd sort of um, been on the South Island for a few years, again, uh, word of mouth sort of spread further than than I I did. So by the time I mm. sort of went back to work on people in the North Island, uh, yeah, uh, the resistance was definitely less. And then the more it came out about. Um, you know the old ways of healing. Um, now it's pretty pretty accepted. Um, mm -hmm. Traditionally, traditionally Maori healing was was either herbs or touch, and so midi midi uh, is is a form. Um, it's a really powerful form of of uh, what most people would deem as massage. Um, yeah. But very very different from your your standard therapeutic massage. And um, mm. or even relaxation massage, uh, yeah. and then uh, rom, romi which is the deeper tissue um, uh, work. That's uh, again, it goes on a, a more spiritual way of um, deep tissue massage, and and mm. with with Maori culture, like if if you look at the language, for instance, there's so much depth into each word, and um, you know, it's it's a combination of other words, or you know, so if you look at the language side of that, where every word has this deep intrinsic meaning, well, it's quite similar to the healing. Um, mm. uh, with with romi romi, you're you're trying to get into those layers of trauma, um, and then I guess with hono hono, uh, it does it does create a blockage for some people that you can help them without touching them. Um, right. And then, and then also that uh, time and space don't really um, exist as far as healing goes. Like I can, I can practice my work on somebody, say in Canada or in England. Um, mm. Yeah, I do. I do think that the cultural side of things um, gives me a bit of freedom um, right. to, to, to practice uh, under under Maori um, healing. Um, yeah, it, it is. It is a bit different to um, sort of the the happy bullshit, as you call it. Um, mm. And yeah, I've, I've definitely come across a fair bit of that. And um, my my thing is uh, around the highest intent. If you hold the highest intention for whatever it is you're doing in life, um, it's it's going to shine through, and you'll be supported. And and usually, if you're rocking the highest intent, you're guided to. So. I think those mm. things go hand in hand, regardless of culture. Yeah. Yeah. Have you always had this kind of sense of trust in yourself and kind of integrity in what you do? Because what I see in you is this kind of strength and authenticity that... I don't see in many like it's very hard to come by that level of conviction in oneself and like you just speak so powerfully to everything that you do and what you offer like there's such conviction in all that you say that you fundamentally wholeheartedly know this to be true and good for you have you always had that sense of personal integrity and conviction or was that something that came with it and I think why I'm curious about that is because it can be really hard to stay firm and concrete in what you're offering in today's kind of day and age when everyone's offering a million different things and there's so many different realities that we're working with and people yeah. think 
this thing is true and that thing is false and this and that. And there's, there's so much going on in our world, but you seem to just kind of stand in the eye of the storm and hold that conviction. So have you always had that? And if not, how did you get it? And what would you kind of say to somebody who's looking to cultivate that or build it in themselves? Okay. So, um, I would uh, uh, thank you first and foremost. Um, I, you never really know how other people sort of see you. Um, and I'm going to be 100% honest with you right now. I have complete and total conviction in um, in our creator and the path that's sort of been mm. set for me. I wouldn't say I have 100% conviction in myself. Um, mm. and, yeah, it's... Uh, I think the way I look at it with, with this work is um, I put the medicine first. So yeah. I have 100% conviction in hono hono and, um, and that when you are connected with source and you're connected um, and grounded um, and you hold the highest intent that um, all will be okay. Um, as mm. far as myself as a human, uh, I question myself every day <laughs> um, mm. and and yeah and, and it is it's that checking in hang on uh, and is this with the highest intent or am I operating on an old system of I want um, mm. or, you know or am I um, being a martyr and and, and to be fair uh, uh, the first few months of, of uh, doing these treatments um, I, and, and actually, I could almost say the first five years, if, if we're talking about um, uh, putting other people before myself, you know, right. I, um, yeah, I, I, I knew there was magic in what I was doing. Um, I think, if anything, I was probably trying to make amends for the time period that I wasn't doing this work. Um, mm. uh, you know, uh, I guess the difference from being a nightclub owner where you're sort of um, it's all about the money and the status and, um, and and to be fair at that time as well was sort of like I wanted to help people forget their stress, forget your worries and uh, right. yes, I held a conviction I guess as a nightclub owner that um, you know I'm going to help people to have fun um, and, mm. and then realise sort of the dark um, the dark recess of that with um, well, actually drown your sorrows today and, and feel even more sorry for yourself tomorrow. So that, that was sort of a real crucial turning point for myself. Um, but yeah, I, I hold I hold conviction in um, the greater good. And, yeah. and I, I know my tools, I know what I'm working with. Um, and then myself, I just, yeah, just have to get out of my own way. You know, I, I Definitely, um, when when healing Aotearoa first started, I remember worrying like uh, about, well, what if I do this? And then, um, you know, I'm... all right, kia ora. Uh, another glitch in the matrix. Uh, funny day with um, technology. Um, nice. So yeah, I was just sort of finishing off saying that um, my conviction uh, is more in the medicine rather than myself. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm still very human in in that sense that. You know, self-doubt creeps in, sometimes anxiety creeps in, um, and uh, I just I, I hold true, I guess, for myself, my connection with source, um, and, and that, you know, um, again, the proof being in the pudding that this, this um, uh, way of healing really, um, it, it's magic, and, and it's beautiful, and uh, the people I get to work on um, I'm helping them see their own beauty, I guess. Um, so yeah, the conviction's more in in um, in, in the magic and, and trusting mm. in source. Um, yeah. I love and I think that. You, so it's. You had a, I think you had another question <laughs> that was leading from there. Yeah, because I'm I'm really curious to know what it looks like to kind of heal the parts of ourselves that maybe hold us back from having that conviction. Like, what do you think it is that kind of keeps us in that place of 
maybe not necessarily trusting ourselves or not necessarily trusting the innate inner wisdom that we all hold do you think it's just too multifaceted and so different for everyone or do you think maybe there's certain things that we could potentially either look at or start to build a practice around that we could maybe build that our own conviction in ourselves and that own like our own sense of self-agency and trusting in that what do you think that looks like um so again for myself um going going to above uh or you know that mm. that higher power um god uh the universe um but yeah for for maori uh, there's um the, the concept is eo um which is spelled io um and so that that's the the supreme creator mm. if you will and i guess i've ever since i um probably was about three or four i would talk to god and then by the time in, uh, religion was introduced to me at five um i was very adamant mm. that they had it wrong <laughs> and um so for me just <laughs> ha having that um that trust in uh in above that there was a plan um i think through my teens um it was definitely nah i'm rebelling against everything um i've had a sort of shit upbringing so i'm mm -hmm. um, uh, i'm gonna stop talking to god and i'm just gonna do it my way and i think that's where um yeah yeah self-doubt was definitely born in myself um and and mm -hmm. yeah I, I didn't really have very um, much support uh with any of the gifts that i had because uh you know in a, in a catholic society which I was sort of brought up in as a youngster, that was, you know, the, the devil uh, type thing. Only um, mm. only preachers can talk with God and actually you have to go through Jesus and, and all this other sort of clouded um, clouded stuff. So for me, um, yeah, I guess uh, whenever I'm in doubt, I'll tune in and I'll ask above to just show me uh, a way through whatever obstacles coming up and if I'm the obstacle um, yeah I'll go get into nature I'll make mm. sure that I do those things that I need um, or I'll, I will go and see a healer or um, you know uh, just get out into nature is usually where it's at and and I find when you're actually around less people um, you have a stronger connection so so for me it's tuning into that source energy um, mm -hmm. and knowing that i'm loved having faith that i'm loved um and and then i guess sort of yeah just uh, one one thing that i talk about with um, the majority of my clients is if they were to know somebody who had been through everything that they'd been through if they'd known this person to have done all the things that they'd done and they stepped back would they like that person first and foremost and most of the time you know mm. wouldn't that be somebody that you would admire um for their strength courage uh, mm. you know taking all the knocks um having a real decent heart and wanting to help and i haven't actually met anybody in my time that doesn't um have a will to be loved and doesn't have a, a will to love and, and share so, um, and I've worked on some pretty interesting people in my time. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, as far mm -hmm. as uh, moving into that self-advocacy and, and confidence in self um, would probably be around um, tuning into the divine. Know that that energy lives in you. And whatever you're passionate about or whatever your gifts are, if you if you really tune into that source energy, um, I, I feel that they, they strengthen. And then that helps you mm -hmm. to, I guess, strengthen your ability in yourself. Uh, I, I mentioned as a teenager, as a teenager, I sort of, um, I cut off from that source and I didn't want to know about it. And I didn't actually want to be a nice person. Um, according to a lot of people that knew me back then, uh, there's mixed reviews. <laughs> um, I always had a sort of <laughs> sense of, of justice and looking out for the, the little person. Um, yeah, so mm -hmm. I, 
I guess, um, yeah, conviction in self is, you know, if, if you're not doing something that you're passionate about or that you love or that's going to help people, um, it's hard to have conviction, you know, um, in, mm -hmm. in what you're up to. Yeah. 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 I really like the emphasis on that focus and kind of giving it up to the higher purpose or the higher self or the source, God, spirit, universe, like whatever you want to call it, everyone has their own variation and version. But I do really think that there's something so powerful in knowing that at whatever level, there is absolutely something beyond ourselves. And yeah. I think it's really invaluable to put that emphasis on, like when you can trust in that higher notion, whatever it is, not only does it take the pressure off of you and the way that you think you have to show up, but it it allows you to kind of take a step back and just breathe that kind of sigh of relief to think that, okay, that like it doesn't all come down to the weight on my shoulders. There is something else at play here. There is something else that's guiding me and others and this whole web of the universe. So I do really think that's a powerful reminder to kind of, tap back into that knowing that there's something beyond ourselves. I think that's really beautiful. Yeah, me too. So my next question would be, yeah, I have so many questions and I'm like, where do I go from here? There's just so much that I want to get into. When you see the kind of climate of the global world right now in terms of everything that's occurring and you can kind of look at it in any way that you want what do you think it is that it's going to take to kind of wake more people up to this notion of the power beyond ourselves because I think I see a lot of kind of just going through the motions and kind of being in this systemic and structural way of existing and I do think that more and more people are kind of waking up to that inner knowing and that kind of notion of the higher purpose or higher structures. But what do you think it's going to take to actually wake more people up to that? Have you ever com contemplated that or thought about it? Yes, yeah, since a kid. Since day one. Yeah, pretty much from when uh, religion was introduced to me, really. I was like, I remember being this this little being and um, telling my mum that she had it so wrong, and you know mm. I, I knew I knew my mum didn't really believe in what she was trying to push on me either. It was just that it had been pushed on her and and so on and so forth. And I right. think that um, these uh, so-called rules and regulations on uh, you know and and punishments if you don't. Um, mm. were were things that were sort of made to control, um, you know. So uh, I guess what I'm seeing in the world today, and especially with this um, COVID-19, um, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm really hoping it's a blessing in disguise. Um, and yeah, yeah uh, I think, um, let's just say in the last 10 years, the same people who made fun of me um, pointed the finger at me as, as you know, um, not being valid or, or whatnot. Um, in the last 10 years, the majority of those people have, have uh, either come to me when they've had their mm. spiritual awakening um, and then asked for guidance or um, they've seen or heard things um, either about the work I do or, um, right. yeah, that they know somebody who's of sound mind who's come to see me and mm. um, it's really changed their way. And then, um, you know, just in, in New Zealand, for instance, rural New Zealand, I, I spent a lot of um, last year working in Gore, which is a farming community and um, very sort of uh, short, stubbies, tough men, hard workers, mm. extremely hard workers, um, back-breaking uh, to the point yeah. of that's why they would they would need to come and see me because of the physical issues, which is, again, the stagnated uh, energy. 
and um, I remember one one for instance um, I said I was going to use crystals and he was like <laughs> what's what's that rock going to do it's just a rock and then I put it on his heart and then the amount of rumbles that sort of came thundering out of his belly and he just looked at me and I was like oh are you hungry and we both just cracked up laughing because he knew that this rock helped release <laughs> um, helped release the issues in his heart and um you know uh, I love it. and, and uh, the, the, I think the thing is is uh, logic and science is only just starting to catch up with uh, some of the spiritual um, aspects of life and mm-hmm. um, we've, we've been ingrained in this dogma of um, rules society law um, science um, and, and I guess the, the magic was sort of um, not really allowed to be there you know we, we just look back a few generations ago and people were getting burnt at the stake for, for having gifts um, or yeah. um, you know locked in institutions and um, and so I, th- I think um, where and what I'm seeing is uh, there is a shift, and it's mm-hmm. it, it's quite a quite a beautiful thing to watch. Um, and even for myself uh, in personal sort of um, journey with it, shift a shift in consciousness is not necessarily a fun or, <laughs> or graceful <laughs> thing. It can be brutal, and you know some people don't don't make it make it past that you know um yeah. I, I know of a few of uh, my friends who were they're sort of um just starting to wake up and and their option actually was to check out because mm-hmm. they they didn't you know um they they didn't want to go through any more pain and heartache or you know yeah. i remember feeling this myself like trying to wake up my family and um and just being met with with uh resistance you know um for instance you gave away all your material possessions you're insane you're an idiot you Mm -hmm. didn't give it to any of the family what the heck you know like Mm. um and and then after two years my family's sort of um hearing about the work i was doing and they're like well i want to try that and then after Mm. giving my family members sessions they're they're now my quietest cheerleaders (laughs) um (laughs) Yeah, oh, um, and that. and again, it's it's uh, partly because of the way they were brought up. You don't talk about that stuff, and you don't, um, you know, you leave that stuff for the priests and the pastors. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I guess um, uh, going back to the religious sort of side of things, I, I, my my full belief system was that Jesus was, you know, trying to show us how we can be, rather than telling mm-hmm. us what to do. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. uh, again, I, I'm not really, uh, I'm not fixed on any religion. I think they all have a wealth of knowledge and probably viewing um, uh, the Creator from different aspects. Um, but but for me myself, I definitely ask people to tune in to their higher self first, and then see where that takes them. You know, um, I think mm-hmm. this COVID, I think this COVID nineteen. Um, is uh, well, I'm I'm quite aware with some of the people that are getting in touch with me for distance sessions at the moment that they've got this free time now. They're starting to meditate. Yeah. They're starting to look inwards. Um, and and uh, you know, lo- long term, honestly, this is probably the downtime that we need for a whole bunch of people to find their true calling, to find their purpose, yeah. or at least to find some light and love. Um, you know, for themselves or for their family or, or appreciation mm-hmm. for nature. Um, I, I spent uh, from 19 to 25 on lockdown um, for being an angry teenager, and, and that was life changing for me. And, and when you mm. sort of when you're stuck inside, um, and you you only you know, I call it sort of facing your demons. Um, but when yeah. when you take a good look at um, who you've become to that point and and is that the life that you actually want to leave and you do that soul searching that inner work on um, what am I actually here for mm. uh, I, I think this leads to massive change 
um, rather than you know what's expected of you get a job <laughs> pay the bills get a mortgage exactly. you know have children do all that stuff and and you know I work on a lot of people who um, aren't actually happy but they've just gone through those motions so um, yeah I'm, no. I'm hoping that this lockdown scenario is um, is uh, gonna help the shift and, and who knows maybe it's the graceful shift where you do it instead of everybody waking <laughs> up at the same time and chaos sort of coming about yeah yeah because I think about when I went through my whole I like transition quarter life crisis spiritual awakening like whatever you want to call it all of it it was so uncomfortable and it was excruciatingly difficult because yeah. not only did I not have someone to kind of guide me through it, like I didn't know what was happening. I didn't have anyone that I could really turn to and talk to about it. I ended up working with a Native American shaman back home in Canada, and that was the closest I got to somebody actually understanding what I was experiencing and what I was going through. I thought I was going crazy. I really thought I was like losing the plot and that something was just not okay. And yeah. it wasn't really until I came probably actually till I came to New Zealand and started actually connecting with people who were a little bit more like-minded, open-minded and open-hearted and actually work in these modalities and these different kind of healing side of things that I actually felt heard and I actually felt like oh this is a thing that it's okay you know it's this isn't this big scary thing that it was made out to be because I had no idea what was happening because you are faced with your demons you are faced with all of your your darkness that kind of resides in the shadows and it all kind of comes up at once if that's kind of the path that you've taken I know it's different for everyone and people will experience it in different ways. And I think we kind of have this misconception around what a spiritual awakening or this new awareness looks like. I think some people can talk about it in a way that it's like, it's all rainbows and butterflies on the other side, but they kind of negate the fact that it's absolute torture and hell as you get there. And yeah. I was just so unaware of that. And I I think I was kind of in the coming out of the other side of it when I actually started working with you. I wasn't necessarily in the thick of it anymore, but I was coming out the other side. And I just remember having a conversation with you and you just made it like it was that moment where everything was okay. And I was like, oh, okay, this is the, this is the rainbows that people were talking about on yeah. the other side of this thing. Got it. Because I think what I really value about the way that you work is there isn't necessarily that focus on, quote unquote, you have to feel it to heal it. Because I don't necessarily believe in that. I don't think we need to really live into our traumas or relive the parts of us that are hurting or wounded. I think we can transmute and transmit those wounds and that hurt part of ourselves in a very different way that doesn't necessarily have to be as re-traumatizing and painful as it can be made out to be so yeah. is has that am I right in thinking that you don't work in that way of kind of reliving things but more so just the transmutation of it and removing the blockages so that energy can kind of flow a little bit more freely am I right in thinking that yeah totally um i uh, I, I'm I'm a big believer that you don't need to continue suffering. Um, yeah. And and sometimes you know like uh, what's that uh, Shrek saying? Onions have layers. Um, mm. We're 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 very much like that. And I yeah. um, I I think that uh, you can you can transmute or or gift back to our creator. Uh, big portion of your trauma um, you'll always get the triggers pop up mm -hmm. and I guess they become less triggering um, and 
I also feel that a lot of us are carrying around trauma from ancestors, grandparents, uh, great-grandparents and, and throughout the, the family line. And I don't believe that that's... Um, I believe that if you're wanting to heal that on behalf of your family, um, that that it can stop there with you. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I, I haven't actually heard that saying you've got to feel it to heal it. Um, I definitely mm. believe that you... You would have felt it during the course of it happening, maybe. And, exactly. Um, but, yeah, awareness, acknowledgement, are probably some good places to start. And, mm-hmm. and um, I think, you know, even, even for myself, I, I know when it's time for me to go and see somebody to work yeah. through some stuff. Um, I also um, am aware of when my body needs plant medicine, that it's not something that can just be... Um, healed mm-hmm. is something that I actually I do have to go back into the recesses of it um, yeah. and sort of take out the hinge that's keeping it there mm. and um, and that again comes through that inner work and that can be real um, brutal you know um, yeah. that, that, that changeover and um, it's a consistency thing you know like um, mm-hmm. you, you can't just sort of turn up to one session and think that that miracle is going to fix everything. Um, yeah. And and I always give my my um, uh, clients, uh, you know, people who come to see me, um, I always give them homework. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 that means that they're meeting, um, they're meeting that responsibility um, of yeah. working on themselves rather than just looking for that quick fix. Yes. Yeah. That's huge. That's such a big part of it, that ownership and actually taking responsibility and not thinking that it's up to somebody else to fix or heal you. It is truly, it can only ever come down to you taking that ownership and seeing the thing that it is and doing the work really like showing up for yourself and showing up for your community because it's an act of love you know when you do self work it is truly an act of love towards yourself but towards your family your friends and your community because you're working towards being that best version of yourself and looking to actually work with and through the wounds that have caused other suffering so that we can minimize it and make it a little bit less painful for everyone. So that ownership piece is so, so big. And I yeah. think there's, yeah, there's a lot that can be said for this time of kind of forced self-retreat and being in that space of silence and stillness with ourselves because it's it's so easy to get caught up in the busyness of life and the busyness of all that's unfolding, especially if you look at what's happening globally. It can become overwhelming. But now is this time where we can just like sit and be with it and say, okay, let's figure out what the next step is rather than focusing on going back to normal because normal wasn't working. Normal wasn't a thing that was supportive or sustainable. So to step out the other side of this, we really have to be in a space of truth and power and authenticity in so many different ways. So I really, yeah. really love that. And I'm going to link up to all of your um, your offerings as well so that people can reach out to you if they're called to do so because it is it is such a, a profound path once you start going down it. And I really do value everything that you bring to the table. And I have one final question for you, and it's okay. my favorite question. And I, I'm really intrigued to see what you say, especially like considering everything that's going on in the world like you can just take this in so many different directions but my question is when you think of the world as it is what is one big change that you would want to make or one big norm that you would want to disrupt like what's that one thing where you're like this has to change and then tell me your why okay so I can see how this this question could open up <laughs> heaps of different um, trajectories yeah. of, of worms. Um, I'm gonna go back to tuning into source um, mm. because I, I feel that's what will save us. Um, mm-hmm. Because I, I don't actually I believe that every all the 
bad shit that's happening in the world and that has happened previously is mainly come down to sort of humans' free will. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, and that free will, I guess there's people who have taken advantage of it um, as far as, um, you know, well, I want and, and I'm mm. going to do, I've got a good intention that's going to serve me well. And it might not serve everyone else well, but it's going to serve me well. And, and yeah. Then, yeah, so I think if we take away from that and, and we can rock this highest intent, um, you know, the highest intent causes no harm. And I think right mm -hmm. now that's sort of what the world needs. And especially, you know, there's there's growing pains going on, um, mm. especially especially on the internet at the moment with so many people fighting for an opinion and, and you know, yeah. discrediting others and, and all that sort of jazz. And, um you know, I've I've been guilty of some of this early on with, um, you know, uh, pushing my views really, really loudly. Like, it's almost like I'm standing on a soapbox and screaming, you know, right. wake up, people, wake up. Um, yeah. You know, especially 10 years ago, I was raw, <laughs> you know, and, and <laughs> I, I guess I was going for that well factor to wake people up. And then, you know, I sort of realized, hang on, this is, um, this isn't, the highest intent again this is a good intention i'm trying to wake you people up but i'm not taking into account your whole lives um everything right. that's led you to this belief system i'm just shouting at you to change and actually um you know maybe if i i lead by example and and, mm. and that's actually how it sort of happened when i sort of just calmed down because I was, you know, I'd learned all these things of, of how corrupt this the current system is, and, and I wanted people to wake up from it, mm -hmm. and and I see it's still going on today, and and um, and I, I still have my own sort of conspiracy theories that sort of float around, and and but mm -hmm. take all of that stuff aside, and asking above, you know, with the highest intent, what am I here for? What's my purpose? How can I be of service? Um, I think yeah. that's that's where it's at, and when you tune into above, I'm I'm pretty sure it lights it lights up all of the different experiences in you that have made you feel joy, have made you feel great, have passed on mm -hmm. that feeling to those around you. This is probably a purpose, and this is probably an avenue to exercise. And um, yeah, I, I I believe that if we don't tune into above it's really easy for the ego to sort of trick us into um well this is who i am and this is what i do and this makes me amazing um yeah yeah so i think that's probably where i would um i would say i i've i've, I've thought this since since a teenager actually um mm. before i sort of gave up on on the spiritual stuff i remember sort of wagging school sitting on a basketball court smoking a joint and looking up at the clouds and i was like man what if everybody just stopped for one moment looked up and asked what the heck <laughs> what am i here for mm. what am i supposed to be doing and we all tuned yeah. in we'd, we'd probably get the answer you know um but yeah and, and i i also remember being that same teenager and thinking one day the world's going to stop Gonna sh it's gonna shut down. It's gonna close its doors, and it's gonna, you know, give us some time to reflect, and it's gonna give us some time to um, appreciate what we take for granted. And I, I believe we're here right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, all, all those um, all those times that I was wagging school and philosopher, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. coming up with my own philosophies on life, uh, sort of, in, yeah. In, in timing that. with what's going on now so um mm. yeah i think that's where it's at tune in tune into yourself tune into above and i think um if you know we live on this beautiful planet um and, and yeah let's like maybe look after it and enjoy it so i, mm -hmm. I think that's the one thing if i could if i could um put forward a proposal for the rest of humanity yeah. to sort of um, yeah yeah I really love that notion of like quietly and humbly leading by example as well because I think I have a very similar tendency when my inner activist gets ignited 
I can go, yeah, like I can go on a rant real quick. And I'm like, figure it out, people. Like, wake up. This isn't okay. And then I'm like, okay, whoa, take a breath because you're not going to change anything that way. And I really have to remind myself, come back to you, come back to your center, keep living the way that you're living, live well, live clean, live wholehearted, and let people figure it out for themselves because we are on this similar journey but we're all in kind of different phases and taking it in different strides so it's it really is that kind of that humility and that leading by example in that quiet kind of way because that's when people take notice it's not it's not necessarily the loudest people in the room that get the attention at the end of the day like they might get their moment when they're being loud but it peters out really quick so I do I really love that I really really love that Thank you so much for your time today and thank you so much for your candid honesty and your vulnerability. It's so refreshing and really illuminating and inspiring to see. So I really appreciate that you continue to show up in the way that you do and I will definitely link out to all of your offerings so that people know where to find you, how to get in touch and I just can't wait to see what you keep creating within all of this and on the flip side of it. So thank you, Dion. Yeah. Well, right back at you, Amanda. I'm, I'm so stoked. Um, yeah, you're a great welcome to Queenstown and um, just mm-hmm. just seeing where you've taken yourself, um, you know, uh, from the first treatment I did with you and then the workshops and just... Mm. Um, exponential growth is um, amazing and, and again what you're offering and, and how, how far it's reaching is um, yeah that's inspiring for me um, yeah, mm. yeah you're, you're magic so keep rocking the magic and um, yeah and inspiring others to do the same it's it's a really beautiful thing to watch mm, thank you thank you thank you yeah. thank you so much for listening and if there's anything anything at all that you want to explore or you have ideas about and want to get into please please drop me a line you can find us at the self-agency advocate on both facebook and instagram and i would absolutely love to chat so let's connect Mm -hmm.